Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the NASCAR NBC podcast. I'm your host, Nate Ryan, here back at NBC Sports Charlotte. A few days after the Daytona 500, a few days before the Cup Series rolls on to Las Vegas Motor Speedway, and I'm joined by NASCAR on NBC analyst Kyle Petty to talk about a very eventful speed week. a roller very coaster eventful. of a speed week, yes. I would say. Yeah, and that's a great way to put it, a roller coaster. So thankfully, I think we're on the upward side yes. of the roller coaster after going way down on Monday night. Uh, I talked to you on Tuesday, and I just w- want to start there because your thoughts about when you saw the last lap crash involving Ryan Newman, I know you said that when you see a driver being helped like that by rescue crews, it still evokes some real visceral yeah. emotions for you. Yeah, you know, I, honestly, and, and it's funny, um, just today, I talked to Eddie Gossage a little bit, um, and and I don't think I realized it um, until Monday night when Ryan didn't get out of the car when there were so many rescue people there. Um, if you go back and uh, look at the pictures of, of Adam's accident and, and turn three, between three and four at New Hampshire, if you look at Earnhardt's, so many people gathered but nothing going on um, is what it looks like. Um, and it just all of a sudden, 20 years of having that in a box in a place, um, the box, somebody ripped the top off the box and you could see right down in it again. And so for me, it was very, very emotional. And I, I didn't sleep much um, Monday night, honestly. Um, worried about Ryan, praying for Ryan. But at the same time, um, so many emotions that I thought for me that time is supposed to heal those wounds, um, that wound's right there. It's just under the surface. So it was, it was, it was, it was a tough day or so. How do you get past it then? Do you just talk to people about it? You know, I, I don't know. I think I think for me, the news that Ryan was talking on, on by by Tuesday that he was talking was a godsend. Was a godsend for me. Um, and and listen, this is not about me. This is about Ryan Newman. But I'm just saying the emotions that I had. Um, it, it was because now you say, okay, you know, because you say, okay, non-life-threatening injuries. All right. So what's that mean? You know, does he have a brain injury? Is he paralyzed? Non-life-threatening is different than being okay. You know, you know, it's it's a totally different different term. Um, so I, I think for me, when when you realized he was talking, and then you saw a picture, and then 24 hours later you see him walk out with his daughters, it's like, okay, all is right with the world. So over that period of time, I think I was able to get everything back in a box. <laughs> you know what I mean? And and put it back on a shelf because, okay. It's been 20 years, but nothing's happened. Uh, nothing happened this time. So, um, you know, I, I think 
you know, time may knock the sharp edges off, but time doesn't heal it. When I heard people talk about it in the day afterward, Kyle, and I, I think I had the same reaction you did. It seemed like there was a general consensus of worst accident since the 2001 day yeah. Daytona 500. Uh, we haven't felt this way, this uncertainty about a driver's status since Earnhardt. No one has been killed in the NASCAR National Series, thankfully, since Dale Earnhardt. Yeah. But then I thought about it some more. Reality check got tossed around a lot. And I thought, well, post-Earnhardt, we've had Jerry Nadeau at Richmond. Yep. Similar. Driver side impact. Yep. Was in a coma for more than two weeks and never raced again. We had Kyle Larson's car in the catch fence at Daytona seven years ago in Xfinity race, injure more than two dozen people. Is there a selective memory among people in the NASCAR industry do you think, and like you said, maybe like maybe you kind of close these things off and you don't think about them again in, until it's in your face. Well, happening again. I, I, I say this. Drivers are strange people anyhow. And, and you always think it's going to happen to somebody else. It's never going to happen to you. And even if we go back to Adam and to Kenny Irwin and, and Tony Roper and then ultimately Dale Sr., um, and I was Adam's father, but you could... You, you came up with excuses that made it okay for you. You have to rationalize yeah, it. Yeah, that right. wouldn't, you know, I, I would never let that happen, or that's not going to happen, or I hate that happening, or this was not, you know, that you just, whatever it is, you, you just do. And then you get into a situation where so many times, and, and you know, we see, and, and, and we talked about, you see Brendan gone flip down the backstretch, land on his wheels, and then they do an interview with him, and they're all laughing and joking about it. And, and, you know, if we really look at it, the, and you talk about Nadu and you talk about Kyle Bush's wreck right. at, at Daytona, right. you know, hitting hit the, the inside wall, and then they come back and they fix that. So then, boom, it's out of your head again. You know what I mean? So it's that, but we've really had more fans injured than we have drivers when, when, you, when you look at some of the situations that we've had. So from this side of the fence, from the garage area side of the fence, you begin to say, yeah, we're all invincible. Same time. And you and I talked about this. If you take a, and not picking on anybody, if you take a William Byron, if you take a Chase Elliott, if you take these guys that are 24, 25, and younger, then they were six and seven years old when Earnhardt's accident happened. When the last fatality happened in a NASCAR upper, upper division, um, they were in kindergarten or first grade. You know what I mean? Which is, so they've never seen anything like this. I grew up where you go to the racetrack when, and, and you're playing with a bunch of kids and their mom comes and gets them and you never see those kids again. When Friday Hassler got killed at Daytona, never saw his kids again. Wow. Uh, have run into them since, but never saw them again at a racetrack. You know, so many times you would go to the racetrack, a crew member would be killed, a driver would be killed, um, whether it was in a qualifying race, whether it was practice. We were at Daytona during practice one year, uh, during January practice. And a kid got killed in a, in, in a baby grand car, which was a, a Dash series car. So it was just there, there, there. And, and you got used to it, and, and this is an exaggeration, so please, but it's almost like you're in a war zone. You just become numb to it. Now, we don't understand it because we don't see it. We don't see it. We don't know how to react to it. And, and when we do see something, everybody turns it into a joke, and we laugh it off. Uh, you know, he flips up, he tears down the front stretch, you know, and the engine's laying here, you know, Austin Dillon gets out and gives his cowboy thing. You know what I mean? I mean, it's, it's just, it's yeah. all fun and games. Right. And it is. It's like your mom used to say, it's all fun and games till somebody gets hurt. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's what it is. So I, I do believe that 
we've the sport has gotten to a point where it's incredibly safe, the safest that it's ever been. But it's never going to be foolproof safe. It's just not. It's not. You strap a guy into a car that runs 200 miles an hour. You bump draft. You side draft. You run into each other. You push each other. Uh, soft walls or not, it's a hard hit. It's a hard hit. Yeah. Believe me. And and I think when you look at it, we've just got complacent to the fact that auto racing can be a dangerous sport. Now the element of danger has decreased, but it's always that deep water flowing really fast. Um, and at the bottom of that well, there's death. And I think you're right that the younger generation, not only have they not been exposed to that kind of graveness of, of an accident, yeah. it's also because we NASCAR has managed to its credit, to its everlasting yes. credit, to decrease the danger. Safer barriers, Hans devices, what they've done with the car, moving the cockpit around, the cockpit itself, uh, the seat. Uh, there's so many ways that... It's safer now than when you raced, but yeah. and like a weird byproduct is young drivers now, and they they have a different attitude. It, it feels to me. I don't know if it's it seems that way to you. It, it seems like I don't want to say they're flippant about it, but yeah, it's it's it would be understandable if they are. It would. It's definitely understandable. Listen, I'm not criticizing any any kid that drives and and has that attitude. I'm not. Um, but it's almost like, and and this is gonna. This, is, this will show, show my age. Um, it's almost like they believe they're in an, they're eye racers. They believe they're in a video game. You know what I mean? And they believe, I mean, not a total criticism, but Ross Chastain, that move he made going into turn one, that's video game material right there, dude. You don't run down across the flat and back up into the, to the lead of the Daytona 500. Just doesn't happen, okay? So when, when you look at it, you they are flipping about it but but here's what happens too is i push you and then you push me and you know what everything everything's good next time i push you a little harder next time you push me a little harder we bump a little harder we get a little bit more aggressive and you just keep going and going and going and there's no check because every time we go nobody gets hurt no harm no foul no harm no foul no harm no foul no harm no foul and then all of a sudden we have something like this now do we learn from this or do we just go to Talladega and another three or four months and say, dodged one at Daytona, right. you know, we're good for another 15 or 20 years. We can run into each other at two miles an hour. That's an accepted part of doing that's, business. That, that's right. Slam drafting is what you have to do. Yeah, that's it. That, and that's exactly what, it, and that's a perfect, perfect thing to say because it's not bump drafting. It is slam drafting. You know what I mean? It is knocking the guy out in front. It is getting that guy far enough out that you can set him up and come around him at a different time. So I, I just think... At some point in time, somebody, and I am not going to put this on NASCAR because I think the owners need to get involved. I think the drivers need to get involved. Um, and, and I think a lot of people need to sit down and say, how do we fix this? I grew up in a time where it, even, even as, as we get into the early 90s and, and, and the mid to late 90s, and I know that's been 25 or 30 years ago, is you could run the same car at Daytona and Talladega for multiple years. You never, because we didn't have body changes all the time. So you come home and there wasn't a scratch on it. How many times did you hear the Daytona 500 winner say, man, I wish I could go get my car out of the museum and run it. There's not a car that's been in the museum in the last few years that you'd want to run again at Daytona because they got tire marks on them. The rear bumpers are caved in. The fronts, caved, you know what I mean? Yeah. There's just not uh, at, at that kind of thing when they used to put it in Daytona USA. We have gotten so used to it to when, when, 
it's just in your face all the time. The first couple of times, you know, you're shocked. But then the shock wears off. And then it becomes commonplace. And when it becomes commonplace, we're in a bad place. We're in a bad place if it's a danger. And, and it seems like this is a different way of racing. That, And I've, I've, said, it, I've said this before too. My granddad didn't like the way that my dad and Pearson and Baker and all those guys came along in the 60s. Didn't like the way those young guys raced. Those guys, they didn't like the way Earnhardt and Terry Labonte and Rusty Wallace and Mark right, Martin. Right. And those guys probably wouldn't like the way that some of these guys race today. It's just, that's evolution. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's not, that's not a knock. That's just evolution. At the same time, there has to be some checks and balances to say, this is over the line. You know, this is, we need to back this up. We're going to Daytona, and we're not going to bump draft. We're not going to touch each other. We've got to figure something out. Commonplace is a good word because this was striking to me today. Corey LaJoy was driving the car that hit Ryan Newman while he was upside down, and it it would seem might have put him in a bad spot that that led to him going to the hospital. This was Corey LaJoy. I want to get your your take on this. He did an interview today on SiriusXM NASCAR Radio, and he said this, I'm comfortable. It's what you sign up for. I think it's a testament to what NASCAR is learning and trying to keep these cars safe because that was the worst, worst angle of a crash, the worst area of a car to get hit on Monday night, the way Ryan Newman was. And for him to be literally walking out 36 hours later, why would we change what many would consider the best form of racing that we have? In my opinion, we don't change a thing. We just keep learning from these wild crashes, especially with the the new next-gen car coming in. Those cars are 30 to 40% safer than this. I'm excited to get into that car and continue to put on a great show for the France. That's Corey LaJoy talking, yeah. and he was in the middle of, yeah. of this accident. And okay, so that's, that's striking and, to me. And, and it's striking to me because of this, okay? And, and, and I will say it is, if, if I look at, and here's the thing, that's youth and testosterone talking in a lot of ways saying the things that he thinks other drivers want to hear and the fans want to hear. We know that we sign up for it. That's the biggest bull line ever. Okay. We sign up for this. We know what it is. We know when we get in that car, what we do, what we sign up for. I knew getting in a car and going out and racing and watching people have accidents and, and fatalities coming up and being with my dad that's, that's a distinct possibility. I lived with it as a kid, knowing your dad might not come back, you know. So that is, that, that's part of it. So you know that can happen to you, okay. You never think about being a part of somebody else, being in an accident where somebody else, that happens to somebody else. I'm not sure I could handle that, okay. And I think, I think you know, that's 180 degrees from the attitude and the comments he had post-race. So the question is, you want to go back and say, okay, Ryan Dutton come out of the hospital. Now, is that what you signed up for? Ryan Dutton come out of the hospital. Do you think this is the best racing in the world? Ryan Dutton come out of the hospital. Do you think that car really is 30 or 40% safer? You know what I mean? And can you go out and perform? Could a, 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 a Corey LaJoy, could a, a Ryan Blaney go out and perform the same way this weekend if that had been a fatality? And my answer is going to be no. No. Because it's not PTSD, but it's a traumatic situation. And it, it's, it's one of those deals where to be a part of an accident where somebody doesn't survive, where somebody doesn't come back, um, 
is has to be a, a, a big deal and has sure. to affect you long term. So, you know, I, I think it's easy to stand on this side of the sun and say on a sunny day and say, yeah, man, that's what I sign up for. I'm the guy here. Let me tighten my seatbelts up and I'm, I'm going to jump back out there and do it. And, and I would argue with till the cows come home that that's the best kind of racing in the world. I, I'm not a, I'm not a huge fan of this. Just not. Right. Just not. Right. And, 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 you know, when, when, when cars can't pass, when cars can't do stuff, you've got to knock each other by each other. You've got to do different things. That's not really racing. That's like being out here on 485 and the fast lane moves a little while and then the inside lane moves and then the other lane. So, um, but again, this is an old guy talking about racing that hadn't been in a car in 10 years. So I, I will concede that fact <laughs> that, that I'm an older guy, but at the same time, I do, I do think, I don't believe I would have made those statements. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I don't, that's a little bit. Slow beyond the pill. Yeah. I yeah. Think. A little bit for me. Yeah. Moving it to a somewhat happier topic. Obviously, as you said, he can make those statements in yeah. part probably because Ryan Newman walked out of the hospital. We're talking on Thursday. He walked out of the hospital yesterday on Wednesday with his two daughters. Corey LaJoy texted with him uh, last night, apparently. Yeah. We've seen photos of Ryan Newman with Martin Truex Jr. I don't know when he'll return, but yeah. it certainly seems like he's making strides toward a full recovery. Have you thought about what it must be like for Ryan Newman right now? Yeah. You, you know, and this is I, this is what I think, okay? And, and listen, only Ryan can answer these questions. Only Ryan Newman knows Ryan Newman and knows what is in his head. God gives you a way, and I, I will say this, I've been in some, some bad wrecks, of not remembering everything that goes on or at least being able to think that's never going to happen again. Now, that was my time. Boom. I, I dodged that one. I think if Ryan Newman is, is and Ryan's what now, 30, 40, 42. 42. I think if Ryan's 32, there's no question. He's back. You know what I mean? He's, he's back. He's back. He's the guy. He's getting it done. Um, at 42, with, with his daughters, and we know how important that is to him, with his rescue ranch, with so many other things that he has going, with stuff like that that he has going, I won't say so many other things, is putting yourself in that position again the most important thing for you. You know what I mean? At 42. Um, at 52, it wouldn't be. Yeah. Right, you, you, right. You, I'm sure of that. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. At 32, it would be. You know what I mean? I'm sure of that too. I'm sure that he would, he'd be lobbying NASCAR right now to run <laughs> at Vegas at 32. Right. You, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. I mean, honestly. Um, and jumping through those hoops. At 42, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm not sure because I think um, you're just at a different place in life. You know, you're, you're at a different place with family. You're at a different place with a lot of different things. And, you know, and that, that's up to him. And, and, you know, only he knows that. Only he knows. And we're also talking about a guy who has been maybe the most outspoken in the Cup Series about airborne cars, yeah. about Talladega, about Daytona, especially about Talladega, about trying to make his cars safer. He has not yeah. been shy in criticizing NASCAR. He actually got fined 10 years ago at Talladega for saying they should rename this race Talladega Event Marketing or something. Yeah. And he has made no secret of his displeasure for super speedway racing yeah. and maybe deserves some credit for the cars being safe enough yeah. that it might have contributed to ensuring that he's, he's still alive. Yeah, for sure. You know, listen, you can't, this is not, you know, and NASCAR has never been known to this. The, the squeaky wheel gets the grease in NASCAR. Okay. If you're out in the public and they're finding you and you're running your mouth, they're going to do something to shut you up. They're going to find you, but they're going to do something to at least throw you a bone and say, okay, this is what we're going to do. We'll fix this. 
Um, that's the way they used to be. Now, I, I, I do give NASCAR credit for being incredibly proactive um, with, with a lot of things that they've done over the last 10 or 15 years. I grew up at a time when they were reactive. It was a reactive organization. Oh, that guy got hurt. Let's fix that. And, and, and I've, I've said this before. My, my dad wrecked at, at Darlington in, what, 70 and came out the window. You know, his body's, uh, half his body's out the window as it flips. Um, my grandmother takes an old driver's suit and makes a window net and puts in it. So if he ever does it again, he won't come out the window. You know what I mean? And the other drivers were like, hey, man, that's pretty cool. <laughs> that's I gotta, innovative. I got to get me one of those. And NASCAR yeah. said, it's a rule now. You know what I mean? That, that, was, that was reactive. You know what I mean? That nobody, nobody had ever thought about something like that. So that's the way they were until Dale's accident, until we get to 2001. Um, and then they've been very proactive. So I, I give them that. But, you know, used to have a guy that worked for us, and he used to have this saying, and we kind of adopted it, safety never takes a holiday. Yeah. You know, you, you've got to be vigilant every day, every moment you're at a racetrack, every lap that you're on a racetrack. And it's NASCAR's job and the team owner's job and the driver's job to see those things that they think are an issue and voice their opinion because silence is not going to get you anywhere. They need to voice their opinion. Because I think Burton said it once, safety is a moving target. Yes, it is. And But you also have to accept without maybe saying, hey, this is what we sign up yeah. for. I mean, I hate to look at it this way, but every race could potentially be looked at as like a dress rehearsal for yeah. the, the worst possible outcome yes. imaginable. And, yeah. it, and it's probably going to happen again, no matter how they make safe they make the cars or the tracks. It, it, listen, right? Yeah, it's, it, it will happen. And, and, and you hate to say that in such a definitive way, but that's the sport. That's the sport. Hemingway had something about bullfighters and yeah uh and auto racing yeah uh bullfighting and mountain climbing yeah, only, yeah. only three real sports yeah. has been because honestly you put your life there out in front of everybody every time you go out there it's us as as spectators and as competitors to some degree in in recent years and as an organization that we've gotten maybe a little bit complacent maybe a little bit because nobody's really stepped over that line and gotten hurt. This should be that wake-up call. And, and we'll see how much of a wake-up call it is when we go back to Talladega. Because if we go back to Talladega under the same rules, um, with the same configuration, with the same stuff, um, and I don't know what they could change. Don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not, I wish I had some constructive uh, a direction to go in. But if Talladega ends up being the same type of slam drafting and all this stuff, then we didn't learn anything from, from Ryan Newman. I mean, a lot of it is up to the drivers. I mean, I can recall in 2001, the first Talladega race after Earnhardt's death at the Daytona 500 was, I think Talladega went caution-free. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if you know de facto sit-down strike might be a way to describe it, but it yeah. certainly felt like drivers raced differently Yes, a few months after that wreck. Yeah, because they didn't change anything. Because they, they didn't change anything. They didn't change anything. So you know... You know, somebody's been to the edge with this package and didn't come back from the edge. Mm -hmm. So you're out there running at, at, a, at another super speedway, and you know what's on the other side. So you do back it up a little bit. Um, and it does get in your head a little bit. And anybody that tells you that it doesn't, they're lying to you. You know what I mean? I, I don't care. They're just, they're just lying to you. Because there's a moment at 3.30 a.m., there's a moment, you know, with six laps to go, where it's like, do I do this or do I just hang where I'm at? Um, and once you think about that, then you're beat. And that, that's why when you get to the speedways, 
you know, I, I don't think it's the NASCAR's job to save the drivers from themselves. And I don't think it's the driver's job to save NASCAR from itself. And I don't think it's the owner's job to save everybody. But I do think every one of them has to take a little bit of responsibility in this and have some kind of set down conversation and say, okay, how do we fix this? And I, I've said this and I will say it until the day they put me in a box and send me out to sea or whatever they do with me is we are in this situation because Bobby Allison got up in the, got up in the flag stand in 1987 and they said, oh, we'll put a plate on it. We put a plate on it as a Band-Aid because that'll get us to the next race and we won't have to do anything major. Since 1987, every decision from arrow to horsepower to whatever has been made on top of a Band-Aid. The problem has never been solved. It's not been solved, okay? It just hadn't, <laughs> okay? They've right. not addressed right. it. It's still that Chevy small block. It's still that Ford. Yeah, we're still choking it trying to get it back. Uh, we're still throwing arrow solutions at it. We're still doing different things, but you've not fixed the problem. Isn't it somewhat, somewhat that the problem, like the Band-Aid dis was discovered to have its own kind of appeal to it? That yeah. Like, I, I, well, I, for some people. For, yeah. yeah, yeah, for some of yeah. it. And listen, you're talking to a guy who ran races unrestricted. Yeah, yeah I got lapped by Bill Elliott three times. <laughs> uh, when, when he unlapped himself, when he unlapped himself, what, twice a day at Talladega or whatever? Uh, yeah, Talladega yeah. 85, I yeah, think. Yeah, 85. I run second that day. Yeah. Okay? <laughs> Little known fact. Okay? That, so I was used to running speedways when I first started where it's, it's man, it's throw up in a garbage can, go qualify, because it scares you to death. You know what I mean? Yeah. Kale Yarbrough flips coming out of turn four, qualifying. I mean, that's how close these cars were. You couldn't race this way. Um, nobody complained about the racing then. We've just given the fans and given people this pack-looking thing, and they think that's the way it's got to be. That's the way it's got to be. I don't think necessarily that's still the way it's got to be, though. I don't want to completely ignore the winner here. Yeah. So, a silver lining, I think, of, of Ryan Newman getting out of the hospital. It allowed the discussion today, three days later, Finally. to kind of shift to Denny Hamlin. Yes. I, I thought one of the all-time greatest sequences to win a Daytona 500, not just the last lap, but the last 10 laps where yeah. he's pretty much the only Toyota against a squadron of yeah. Fords and didn't really put a wheel wrong. He was flawless. Yeah. Here, here's what I loved. And, and, and I, when they were talking about it, he's the only Toyota against all these Fords, and you've got this, and I'm like, that's to his advantage. He didn't have to protect anybody. It's all about Denny Hamlin. He didn't have to worry about a teammate. He didn't have to worry about leaving somebody hung out. It was all about Denny Hamlin. And every move he made was for Denny Hamlin. You know what I mean? Every, if you go back and watch those last eight or ten laps, he didn't care whether he left you out to come help me or hung me out to get in another line to, because you were pushing faster, it was all about Denny. That last lap, to to push, to get past, and then fall in behind Blaney. Textbook, textbook. I mean, you couldn't you couldn't have drawn. If if a young driver wants to see how to win Daytona in the last you know three quarters to a mile of a racetrack, study Denny Hamlin. Two wins in a row, unheard of. I mean, right. there's only been, what, three fourth, other guys? Fourth time it's fourth, happened. Yeah, yeah, fourth time it's happened. Right. Um, gets his third win, which puts him into a totally different category. Um, so I, I think, you know, you 
I, there, there is so many positive things to say about Denny Hamlin and the way he ran this race and how he approached this race and what he did all week long. If we go all the way back to the, to the shootout or the clash or the dash or whatever they call that race on Sunday where they wiped out everybody <laughs> and, he, and he pushes. The crash, I think. Yeah, yeah. And, he, and he pushes Eric Jones to victory. He still, a lap down, puts himself in the right place to win that race. If he hadn't been a lap down, he had put himself back in the right place. And I think people lose sight of, of how good a driver he is on these racetracks. Yeah, like you said, he put his name among some legends, yes. uh, becoming a three-time Daytona 500 winner. Another legend, by the way, you should check out, uh, Roger Penske turned 83 years old 83. today. And we're speaking uh, the day after your Coffee with Kyle. Roger yes. Penske came out, so people should go to the YouTube Motorsports on NBC channel and check that out. I yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun, man. A lot of fun. I enjoyed it. He's a good guy. He's pretty good. Yeah, he made me a nervous wreck, man. <laughs> he makes me about as nervous as you make me doing this podcast oh, with you. <laughs> you did well in both instances. Thanks for being here, man. Thanks. Our thanks again to Kyle Petty for joining us on the NASCAR and NBC podcast. As I mentioned, you can go to the Motorsports on NBC YouTube channel and check out the latest Coffee with Kyle. And it's a conversation with Roger Penske looking over the entirety of his career, what he's doing at Indianapolis Motor Speedway now, and some interesting thoughts on his visions for the future of racing. It's definitely worth checking out, as is all the content on the Motorsports on NBC YouTube channel. Lots of good stuff there. Highlights from Supercross races, Monster Jam, uh, NASCAR America discussions and clips. There's lots of good stuff to check out there, so become a subscriber. The NASCAR NBC podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. As always, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, you can leave a rating or review. That really helps us out. I'm not sure when we will be back. Wanted to do this episode to get Kyle's thoughts on the Daytona 500. Thought it was important to have a look at the Great American Race in the aftermath. And we hadn't heard from Kyle yet on NASCAR America. So really appreciate him coming on and and talking about the Daytona 500 on this episode. I will be back at some point, perhaps next week, with another analyst. Uh, Still trying to line up some guests. As always, if you have any ideas on guests, you can send them to me on Twitter. At Nate Ryan is my handle. And also feedback there as well. Thanks again for listening to the NASCAR NBC podcast. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.